With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to SwiftCast. If you're a fan of Taylor, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on iTunes or your podcast app, and it will automatically download our episodes for you each week. We have a lot of exciting episodes and guests as reputation rolls out, so you'll only be doing yourself a favor by subscribing. Also, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr, at SwiftCast13, Or you can find all of our episodes and social media at our website, swiftcast13.com. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to episode 239 of SwiftCast. This is Adam. Ashley, Nate, and Steph. And this episode is being released on Wednesday, December 13th, and that means it is Taylor's birthday. Happy birthday, Taylor. Happy birthday, Taylor. 28 years old. It's crazy. I'm kind of ready to skip to her being 30 because I feel like she'll have some really interesting things to say about ending her 20s and i'm just excited to hear <laughs> to hear that from her in two years she's had quite a roller coaster as far as her 20s go well if she did do an album in two years it would be when she was turning 30 right before that yeah that album would kind of write itself almost yeah it would be really interesting could you imagine when she turns 32 i don't know about you but i'm feeling 32 <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I thought it was funnier in my head. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I I have used that song in the past. And I think that I feel like she would need to address it somehow. She has so many songs based on age, not just 22, but 15. So I think she could write some really interesting material. So December 13th is also the general sale for tour tickets in North America. And last week was the sale for the Ticketmaster Verified Fan. Were any of you able to get tickets through that system? I used it and I was pretty happy with it. I think some fans weren't happy with it. I spent a lot of time watching the videos. And so I was lucky. I got an earlier spot and I loved how I could use the interactive map and I just went in and picked my seats. My only complaint was I only purchased two tickets for my top city and my understanding was that was all I was permitted to do but I think that other fans were able to buy tickets for other cities with that same code because you were allowed to buy up to six tickets. Mm-hmm. And I would have done that if I had known it was allowed. I just thought I would be breaking the rules if I bought a different quantity of tickets for other cities. So right, I right. only bought my top choice and I only needed two tickets. Um, that was my only disappointment. I felt like they could have been a little clearer. But I have read stories. Other fans seemed 
mixed. It seemed like some people were really happy with it. Other people I heard didn't even get their codes and they were not happy with it. So I just hope that everyone is able to get tickets by Wednesday. Yeah, I heard mixed reactions too. And I completely agree about the different cities thing that you were talking about because that doesn't seem fair at all. You were supposed to have to register for your city and buy tickets for that city. And then at the very end of the presale, if there were extra tickets available, you would get access to those. Right. That was my understanding. But I, I guess I should have just tried it anyways to see what happened. I just didn't, I was worried it would get canceled or I didn't know what would happen. I feel bad for those fans who didn't even get a code at all. Cause I ended up getting like three different codes. Uh, so I don't know. I, I feel really bad for those people. The only other thing I experienced through my mom's Ticketmaster, she had her time slot, and by the time she actually got her code, it was an hour and a half after her time slot had ended. Mm -hmm. um, and they did tweet. I felt like they were good at communicating. They said they were delaying handing out the, the codes, but your spot in line remained the same. You know, something that surprised me too um, was that, so I put mine in for Columbus uh, and Columbus, uh, of course, you know, they're doing the stadium again this year, but, uh, and there were multiple shows in the past, uh, but I feel like it was a less popular pre-sale place only because for myself, I was kind of a bad fan. I didn't have that many booths. I had, I think, uh, all of a sudden done maybe 90 booths, which compared to some people, I mean, who were talking thousands, um, is not much at all. And I was pretty far up there on the scale. But because I was far up there on the scale with such less boosts than other people, I was still able to go into other venues and purchase tickets. So I hope that everyone was able to get the tickets that they wanted to. Yeah, I completely agree with what you what you said there because you could pick your top city as one that's not quite as popular as other cities that sell out immediately. Mm -hmm. And then you had to a higher place in line, even if you had fewer boosts. And so then if you could use that code to go into the other cities, uh, it does seem kind of unfair, but I, if I had known it were permissible, I probably would have done it sure. myself. Hey. So <laughs> <laughs> I just wish everything was more clear up front as to how it would work. Right. I think they could have made it more clear. Mm -hmm. And help everybody out. It helps the venue out. I mean, it makes it easier for them to distribute tickets. They're not getting bombarded with questions, you know. I don't know. Uh, that's the only thing that I would say. Otherwise, I feel like it was a really successful presale. Yeah, I was really happy with the interactive map. The only other thing I noticed with, I did some venue presales on Saturday. And it seems like these venues are using demand pricing so like we were talking about, some of the more popular cities are actually more expensive mm. than other ones, which has never happened before. For 1989, ticket prices were the same across the country. So that was a little confusing to me. Well, I hope everyone saved their money because they're a little pricier this time around, if you haven't <laughs> noticed. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Or a lot. But... I'm sure it will be a very worthwhile experience, and I just can't wait for tour. Yeah, it's only five months away, which is crazy. Well, we hope everybody was able to get some tickets and will be able to attend some shows. But for now, let's move into our news. There's quite a bit of it, and Ashley has the first one with some song news. 
This was from Vanity Fair. They put out a list of the best pop songs of 2017, and they chose Delicate to make that list. I like Delicate a lot. I'm surprised that this beat out all the other ones, though. Well, I'm glad that it shows that they actually went and listened to the whole album instead of just easily picking one of the more publicized songs. True. Picking a single, something like that. Yeah, I thought that was really impressive because from what I remember, a lot of the other songs on the list included singles that were very popular on the radio. And so they chose one that you really have to have the album to know. And I liked how they said in their description, Taylor possesses a secret weapon that separates her from the competition. Truly unimpeachable songcraft, which is kind of a weird way to put it, but I like what they're saying. Yeah, accurate. If I was making this list, I'd have personally picked Getaway Car. I'm just saying. Just throwing that out there. (laughs) I hear a lot of people say that they feel like Getaway Car could have and should have been on 1989, so I think if it's getting any criticism, it might just be that. Which, that's not bad at all. Like, 1989 was a great album. (laughs) Yeah, it won Album of the Year. I have nothing bad to say about that song. It's excellent. I don't know. I think that's why we all like the song. I just think that might be why critics might feel like it's not as new and fresh from Taylor. All right, that's fair. Well, we actually got to see Taylor making Getaway Car through DirecTV's Making of a Song series just this past week, which was awesome. and. Just like we were talking about how it it does kind of sound like 1989 a little bit. One thing you couldn't really tell from the video is when the song was actually recorded. But it was really, I don't know, it might have been my favorite video. It was just so interesting to see the way Taylor crafted the lyrics just without even writing anything down. She just figures it out. And of course, seeing her work with Jack is always interesting. Absolutely. And Taylor, I think you're listening to me because I swear to God, I said this like two weeks ago. I'm like, getaway car. I want that one to be the next one. And boom, there it is. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) Well, they also did a little snippet of Don't Blame Me. It was maybe only a minute and a half long. So since you're able to predict these things, Nate, what do you think the next episode will feature? Well, uh, let me see here. Hmm. I think the next one's going to be New Year's Day. Okay. I would like that. I'm only saying that because New Year's is coming up, and I really have no idea, and that's my best guess. <laughs> <laughs> it would be smart to do it right about now, especially because that song's now on country radio. I've heard True. it a couple times. I was thinking the other day, I was driving home from work, and I had New Year's Day playing in the car, and... I didn't realize this until, I don't know what even I was thinking about, but New Year's Day is going to become one of those days in the fandom, like July 9th, where <laughs> everyone is just going to go berserk over this day. It's going to be a huge day for like a like a swift holiday. So anyway, brace yourselves because that's going to be coming the rest of your life. Uh, that's all it's going to be. Yeah, because it's a specific day called out. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering, I'm guessing the answer is going to be no, but I wonder if Taylor will do any type of New Year's Eve performance on TV like she's done in the past. I feel like we would have heard by now, but I want her to. Maybe she would do something as a surprise. She does seem to do something on New Year's Eve in recent years, 
2014 she performed 2015 out of the woods was premiered and 2016 she was absent but i think that ryan seacrest really likes to work with her so i could see him trying to get her to do something i don't blame him who doesn't like to work with her (laughs) (laughs) well speaking of working with people huh good segue anyway uh The next bit of news that we have for you is that the Ready For It Blood Pop remix is out now. Kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, Taylor tweeted it this week, promoting Blood Pop's remix. Uh, If you guys haven't heard of him before, I guess he does a ton of different remixes. Uh, This guy, Michael Tucker, uh, professional guy. He's worked with a lot of big artists. Uh, Anyway, I'm not sure if he worked directly with Taylor to produce this or, or if he just came out with it himself. But either way, what'd you guys think of this? I know that it got a lot of mixed reactions, but I really liked it. I know it's very different. It's very much an electronic dance music song, an EDM song. But there's certain artists in that genre that I really like, and I thought that this version of Ready For It sounded a lot different than the original, and I thought it was good. Yeah, I liked it. I often find myself listening to the Wildest Dreams remix a lot, when I'm working out, it just really gets me going. And I feel like this remix will do the same thing. And it is available to listen on Taylor's official YouTube page. So you can go there and you can hear it. So in our next news item, last Friday, James Corden tweeted something that hinted that Taylor would be on his show that evening. He hosts the Late Late Show with James Corden. And everybody was really surprised at that. And what it ended up being was a little pre-taped thing in which he attended the L.A. Jingle Ball and was like kind of like the manager of the venue. He was pretending and he was going around to all these different artists and doing funny things. And with Taylor, he came in on her and her dancers practicing their choreography. And there was a whole backstory about how he was going to fill in. And he practiced dance moves with them. And it was just absolutely hilarious. Did you guys get to see it? Yeah, it was just so funny seeing Taylor's reaction when he first asked her and then they just start dancing. It was awesome. And I believe James Corden put that on his YouTube page. So you can go there to check it out. It really is worth a watch. It's great. And our next piece of news is that at the B96 Jingle Bash in Chicago last week, Taylor sang Gorgeous for the very first time live. She did, and I was lucky enough to be there, and it was awesome. It's always very cool to be in the building when she performs a song for the first time. Oh, definitely. So being there in person, I mean, you seeing this live, what did you think? I thought it was good. I kind of was expecting a different song than Endgame, only because Ed Sheeran was not there. And he was there for Jingle Ball LA and Poptopia in San Jose. So I kind of figured they wouldn't do Endgame, and I was correct. I didn't know what song she would do, but as soon as the intro started, I knew immediately what it would be. And it did sound a lot like the album version. And of course, these Jingle Ball performances are short and don't have a whole lot of, you know, stage presence and choreography. So it was a little bit simple. And I don't expect that necessarily for 
the tour version, but it was good. I liked it. Well, it's interesting that you say that. I mean, if you would see Taylor on tour, obviously she's going to perform gorgeous. I mean, I think Taylor really likes the song. Of course, everybody likes that song. I feel like it's going to be a single. What do you think the tour performance would be then? That's a good question because it's the type of song that doesn't need like a big production. So maybe it will be a B-stage song and it will stay in this simple version. So that could be a possibility. I don't know if I said this back when it first came out, but I feel like it could be the second song of the tour. I think she could end a big intro from Ready For It and then go into a more simpler performance of this before talking to the crowd afterwards. Okay. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Because she usually, she usually follows the intro song with a more tame song. Well, I feel like on that note, too, I also think it could fit later in the show. And I feel like I'm biased on that only because of the making of Gorgeous. Uh, but I feel like it could be a really solid acoustic song as well. One thing I saw that was interesting was the parallels in the performance of Gorgeous to Stay, Stay, Stay on the Red Tour. Even just some of her little dance movements. And the songs kind of are similar. I feel like you could mash them up. I don't think she would, but I I could see it maybe fitting in kind of like Stay, Stay, Stay did on the Red Tour. True. It is lighthearted and playful and, and definitely fits that theme. And I actually kind of could see her mashing it up with something, but probably not Stay, Stay, Stay. Yeah, I agree. It'll be interesting to see what she ends up coming up with. So at the beginning of the show, um, obviously we talked about Taylor's birthday coming up. So our next bit of news, on December 13th, Taylor's birthday. Uh, very exciting. The Swift Life app will be available that day. I know it's been released already for those of you in New Zealand and Singapore and I think Canada too, if I'm not mistaken, maybe even some more places. Uh, but worldwide, this thing should be available on December 13th. So um, I guess we're just going to have to find out what Taylor has up her sleeve. Yeah, I'm guessing that it will be hard to download right at midnight. I, rem I think I heard when it was available in other countries, people had trouble downloading it. Oh, really? That's interesting. But since it's worldwide, I'm betting there will be just such a big demand to download it. So fingers crossed that we all get it downloaded. If I was a betting man, I would assume that Taylor would be on that app the day it releases. I'm just saying she's going to be there. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe not, but... I think that's a good prediction. Actually, technically, by the time this episode releases, which will be December 13th, today, you guys know. Get on that app. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say I'm glad that they waited to release this app until after the boost and the ticket process was over, because I feel like there's been too much to keep up with. Oh, true, definitely. Could you imagine trying to do Swift Life app and do all your boosts at the same time? I just, I would not have any time for anything. <laughs> and Twitter and Tumblr, whatever else you Holy use. Holy cow. Yeah, that was smart. At least consider it. <laughs> well, our last piece of news is very exciting just because of Taylor's huge success, not only with Reputation, but with her previous albums, recently the recording industry association of america just announced that reputation is now three times platinum which is as we're recording a month after it's been released 
and it is the top certified album to date of 2017. So I think that probably will stay since we're so close to the end of the year. And then for other statistics, Look What You Made Me Do is now three times platinum. Ready For It is platinum. And Fearless is now ten times diamond. Whoa. That one's a big one. Yeah. And I've been noticing just in chart news that a lot of Taylor's older albums are getting a huge increase in sales just from the release of Reputation. So it's always good to think about people discovering Taylor's older music right now because they're liking her new music. I mean, can you imagine what a world they're in right now, discovering all this old music? (laughs) I kind of envy those people. Me too. Well, we know of all the successes that Taylor has had, and we know they will continue to rack up, and she'll continue to get more and more accolades. That is for sure. That's all for the news for this week. We do have a couple of fashion items because Taylor has had a couple of concerts in the past week. So Ashley has the first one. And I just love what she's been wearing to all of these performances. It's hard to say what that's going to look like on tour because I don't think she'd be wearing as many like long sleeve and sweatshirt type items, but I really like these looks. On December 7th at B96 Jingle Bash in Chicago... Taylor's top was a Jessica Jones custom shirt that was very sparkly, sort of like a cropped sweatshirt, and her shoes were Christian Louboutin Glory Mound studded buckle boots, which were $1,700 but are sold out. And then on the next night, on December 8th, in New York at the Jingle Ball, she wore a different Jessica Jones custom shirt, and this one was awesome. It had... A snake with a Santa hat on it. Oh, that was great. I think this is the fourth Jessica Jones custom shirt, if I'm not mistaken, for the last two Jingle Balls, Poptopia. Um, Same thing, right? It was Jessica Jones? Yeah, it was. She must really dig this chick. Who is she? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm just guessing, predicting that she's someone who will be creating a lot of costumes for Taylor on tour. That's what I'm saying, too. Like, if she's gone this far, I don't know. I feel like that might mean something for tour. Hmm. But then again, like Ashley was saying, like I've said uh, before, too, when we were talking about it, I don't know if she's going to keep that long shirt look. I mean, it gets hot up on stage. I don't know. We'll see. Either way, our next bit of fashion for you. Taylor was seen arriving at her apartment on December 8th, 2017 in New York. Taylor was seen wearing a public school Eleanor coat. Goes for $1,295 normally, but it is on sale for $777, probably for the holidays. She's also seen wearing Balmain Army Ranger studded boots. $1,600 normally on sale for $1,120. And it was kind of like a plaid, uh, for lack of a better word, coat i suppose i don't know maybe you guys can describe this better than i can yellow and black checkers (laughs) plaid checkers (laughs) yeah almost like a trench coat yeah like a trench coat okay right right thank you i think that's a good description i really like this coat it kind of reminded me of all the different coats she was wearing in 2014 2015 if only it were not 
$777. (laughs) (laughs) Taylor, your fans want to wear your clothes. I mean, I don't want to wear your clothes, but other people do. (laughs) As always, thank you to TaySwiftStyle.com for locating all these outfits. And you can find out more information and links to them at TaySwiftStyle.com. And stay tuned. We'll be right back with our main discussion. So for our main discussion for today, we wanted to touch two different things that happened in the past week, and they were two magazine covers that Taylor had. The first one was Vogue UK, and the second one was Time Magazine. So to kick it off, Taylor was first on the cover of the British Vogue, and it was a pictorial of like maybe eight or ten photos or so, and it was not an interview, just a little couple paragraphs that Vogue wrote about her and then she also included a poem in the magazine which was really cool. So I think when we're talking about Vogue the first thing that we always have to talk about is what Taylor looks like on this cover. In years past she has like completely reinvented herself for Vogue. Uh, I remember she cut her bangs. I don't remember. I don't know if you guys remember that one or not. Uh, I'm sure you do. Um, we know that she appeared on the one cover looking very just like um, stripped down, I guess. Uh, you know, her hair slicked back. Um, just very different, elegant look. Uh, another one, she appeared with Carly Kloss. Um, there's one that she appeared with, uh, you know, her bleached hair when she had that going for for Coachella. Anyway, so it's always a landmark moment when Taylor comes out with a new Vogue cover. And this one, I got to say, I agree with everyone on this. Giving me the speak now feels just saying. Oh, yeah, definitely. There were so many edits of this with speak now. Do you think that was intentional? I mean, do you do you guys think that that's what she was trying to portray here? I don't think there's any way that it could have been unintentional. I kind of agree. I mean, you look at this, the way that she's posed, uh, and granted it wasn't on the original Speak Now cover, but it was on Speak Now Deluxe, where she had the red dress, same photo. Even still, uh, wow, unbelievable. Even the look that she's giving. Granted, her makeup's a little different, her hairstyle's different, but but almost identical. And her bangs are pinned back. I think that she should recreate all the album covers with her current look. Oh my god. That would be Imagine. awesome. <laughs> So for this magazine cover, the stylist was Edward Enninful, and the photographers were Mert Alice and Marcus Piggott. And Edward had a great quote about Taylor that went along with this cover. He said, Obviously, she is a world-class lyricist and has written a stunning poem just for Vogue on the timely subject of reinvention and moving on. But she also takes her duties as a role model very seriously. Taylor is acutely aware of her following and how she communicates with young women and will never portray a character that would send the wrong message. That said, even superstars aren't immune to the power of a great dress. Yeah, I thought that was a cool introduction to Taylor's poem because that's something that's been consistent throughout Taylor's whole career is she always wanted to be the right kind of role model to her fans and I think just to the general public. And in what is probably a swift cast first, let's read Taylor's poem, because it is excellent. It is titled, The Trick to Holding On. 
it starts off as let go of the ones who hurt you. Let go of the ones you outgrow. Let go of the words they hurl your way as you're walking out the door. The only thing cut and dry in this hedge maze life is the fact that their words will cut, but your tears will dry. They don't tell you this when you are young. You can't hold on to everything. Can't show up for everyone. You pick your poison or your cure, phone numbers you know by heart, and ones you don't answer anymore. Hold on to the faint recognition in the eye of a stranger as it catches you in its lustrous net. How quickly we become intertwined, how wonderful it is to forget all the times your intuition failed you, but it hasn't killed you yet. Hold on to the childlike whims and moonlight swims and your blazing self-respect. And if you drive the roads of this town, ones you've gone down so many times before, flash back to all the times life nearly ran you off the road. But tonight, your hand is steady. Suddenly you'll know the trick to holding on was all that letting go. Taylor Swift. That is so good. It's just so well written. Yeah, I think this poem just further establishes why Taylor is such a good songwriter. I wish I knew more about poetry to be able to like have some talking points because I'm sure that the way that she structured this, there are some hidden elements that we are totally missing. Uh, whether it be in, I mean, I only know a few poetry terms, whether it be in the stanza, whether it be in the rhythm, uh, I'm not too sure, but either way, I think Taylor is just a fantastic writer in general. And, and that not only means songwriting that, you know, that translates to just poetry in general, or, or even just writing a well-composed letter. I have to say, as Nate was reading the one stanza where it says, all the times your intuition failed you, but it hasn't killed you yet. That line right there just took me back to the Red Tour, the video right before the lucky one, and where she's talking about how people want to bring you down, but they haven't yet. Oh, that's an interesting connection. I like that. It, it As you were reading it, that was just immediately what I thought about. But there are so many meaningful lines in this whole thing. and I, I think everyone can relate to some portion of the poem. It is always good to see Taylor on magazine covers, and we hope that there are some more upcoming in early 2018 before tour starts. And there is one more magazine cover in 2017 that Taylor is on, as I mentioned. Time Magazine named their Person of the Year the Silence Breakers, and Taylor is included in that group of people. This was, I thought, just groundbreaking. I was so impressed when I logged online and saw all of this happening. At first, I was really confused by the person singular of the year being a group of people. But of course, once I realized, I thought it was just brilliant. I love that Time did this. And if you haven't read the full article, you should, because all of the stories in there are just really incredible to read. And to give the very quick background about what that means, the silence breakers are the people who spoke out about assault in the past year. And of course, in August, Taylor had her court case, which she won against the radio DJ who assaulted her. So I think it was very fitting that time included her as one of these people. And I think the more profound thing about this is that 
Taylor did this before any of these accusations even came out. Uh, I mean, this case has been going on for years, years, but she's still stuck with it. You know, um, she wasn't going to give in to this radio DJ. She ended up going to trial over it uh, and obviously winning the trial, as we all know now. So uh, I think that in itself, to be able to not only financially, but emotionally put yourself out there for that long, I think is really incredible. And I think that is such a powerful message for women out there who have been assaulted. Well, and that's exactly why she needed to be included. Of course, it's not surprising, but I did see people criticizing the fact that Taylor is on the cover. But I feel like people who are making those kind of remarks just don't fully understand. I think they just speak without understanding anything. And if they just did a little research, they would see this happened during the Red Tour years ago. And Taylor has been fighting for years. And she sued for $1. That was all she wanted. And back in August, after the trial was over, that's exactly what Taylor said, was that she wanted to thank everyone for supporting her. And she said that... She especially wanted to thank anyone who feels silenced by sexual assault. And the last few lines, I think, show exactly why Time chose to include Taylor as a silence breaker. She wrote, I acknowledge the privilege that I benefit from in life, in society, and in my ability to shoulder the enormous cost of defending myself in a trial like this. My hope is to help those whose voices should also be heard. And she explained that that was why she would be making donations to organizations that help sexual assault victims defend themselves. So I I think absolutely Taylor should have been included in this. She did this for years before the Me Too movement really started, which of course is a groundbreaking movement. But I just, I think it's very impressive and I'm proud that Taylor's been included. And it was reported right after the trial that the amount of calls for that these organizations were getting from people who needed their help increased exponentially. So I'm not saying that's entirely because of Taylor, but she obviously was very influential in that. Absolutely. And, you know, I just want to speak to the one point before we get too uh, far away from it. Talking about the people who are criticizing Taylor for being on this cover, what Taylor went through wasn't like... I don't know. She's not faking any of it. None of it's a publicity stunt. Like this guy at this meet and greet assaulted her and she had to deal with the fallout of this guy suing her. And then she countersued because, you know, the whole thing's ridiculous. Uh, anyway, for anyone who's actually speaking out against that, it kind of, to me, paints that these people are like the radio DJs, the the David Mueller's of the world. Like these are the people who are enabling this type of behavior. I feel as though, even though I'm a guy and I'm never going to face that type of discrimination, I see people who it affects and and especially uh, when we see someone so in the public eye uh, who undergoes this type of thing, I feel as though for anyone to go through this, it's not a picnic. Why, Why would they even consider criticizing Taylor over this? And it's not even her choice. It's not even, you know, I don't know. It just makes no sense to me. Yeah, you're absolutely right. 
In fact, Taylor tried to keep the whole thing silent at first. She she didn't want it to become public. It, it certainly was not a publicity stunt. And for people to suggest that, like I said, I think they just don't understand the facts. And they just speak without doing any kind of research. But she was kind of forced to do this, but she did the right thing. And I think she's glad she did it. Like she said in her statement, she is fortunate to be able to shoulder the costs of defending her case and pursuing her claim against the DJ. So Taylor was generous enough to give Time Magazine her first interview since the trial, and they asked her a couple of questions, and it's all included in the magazine, but just to touch on a couple of the points that she made. The first question was, why was it important for you to come forward about what happened to you? And her answer is just perfect, as are most of her answers. She said, at the time, I was headlining a major arena tour, and there were a number of people in the room that saw this, plus a photo of it happening. I figured that if he would be brazen enough to assault me under these risky circumstances and high stakes, imagine what he might do to a vulnerable young artist if given the chance. So not only is she fighting for herself, she's thinking ahead to other artists as they're gaining popularity in the music industry. Well, and that's what she always does. Every fight that she has fought has been thinking about other people. Even if you think about the Apple letter that she wrote, it wasn't for herself. She was thinking about the young artists who are struggling and need to make income and that was why she decided to go up against Apple. And so it's it's just always a consistent thing. Taylor's always thinking about other people. Well, and that's the thing, too. I mean, Taylor's in that position. I mean, she's on the top. Uh, she's on everyone's radar. I mean, she's she's in that position. So for her to use it like that, think about if Taylor had never been discovered at, at Bluebird. Like, like, think about if she was just an artist in Nashville, like so many people are currently, uh, who, who can't be heard. Um, we would not have any of this. So for her to actually be in a, a power position and help out other artists and to, to um, help out other women, and it's just really fantastic. I mean, I'm glad that she's using her influence to do good. Absolutely. Like always, and like she will continue to do Time also asked Taylor how she felt when she testified. And she said, When I testified, I had already been in court all week and had to watch this man's attorney bully, badger, and harass my team, including my mother, over inane details and ridiculous minutia, accusing them and me of lying. So then she said that she decided that because, quote, this man hadn't considered any formalities when he assaulted me, and his lawyer didn't hold back on my mom. Why should I be polite? And this portion of the interview just, for me, reminded me of the song, This Is Why We Can't Have Nice Things, where she says, this is for my mama, I had to listen to all this drama. And I have to wonder if she was thinking in part about that when she wrote This Is Why We Can't Have Nice Things. I hope we learn more about when that song was written. But... I also agree with her when you're badgered as a witness and when your entire team is badgered, there comes a point where you just can't really be polite. It's interesting that you say that because I thought about this. I know we haven't touched on this song yet, 
Uh, we will in, in future episodes. I just want to say a small snippet. I feel as though this is why we can't have nice things, even though it has some specific references, is is or can be translated to more than one person. So anyway, I'm just throwing that out there. I think you're right. Yeah, I agree. I'll be excited to talk about that song in the future. Anyway, go Taylor. I mean, rightfully so. She has no reason to be polite in that situation. I mean, tell it how it is. She did. <laughs> she did. It was so great to follow along with that trial and hear how outspoken she was and, you know, upfront. And she didn't shy away from anything that was asked about her. She told the truth and let the jury hear what the truth was. And they, you know, they knew the outcome. They definitely did. So the next question that the interview had for Taylor, they asked, how have people responded to your story? Uh, and a snippet from that, Taylor said, once it hit the news that I was in Denver dealing with this, there was an outpouring of support on social media, and I have never appreciated it more. I spoke to Kesha on the phone, and it really helped to talk to someone who had been through the demoralizing court process. So I thought that was really interesting. We know that Taylor and Kesha had been in contact over, you know, her case. And uh, anyway, it's just really interesting that they kind of leaned on each other over both of their respective situations. And I don't think it was in the news much, but didn't Taylor donate money to Kesha's court case? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that happened. Yeah, it was a substantial amount. Hundreds of thousands of dollars, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And again, people wrote it off as a... Uh, publicity stunt, like whatever. Right, like, oh, Taylor's giving money away again. They then asked, after this experience, what advice would you give to your fans? And Taylor said, I would tell people who find themselves in this situation that there is a great deal of blame placed on the victims in cases of sexual harassment and assault. You could be blamed for the fact that it happened, for reporting it, and blamed for how you reacted. You might be made to feel like you're overreacting because society has made the stuff seem so casual. My advice is that you not blame yourself and do not accept the blame others will try to place on you. You should not be blamed for waiting 15 minutes or 15 days or 15 years to report sexual assault or harassment or for the outcome of what happens to a person after he or she makes the choice to sexually harass or assault you. That one line that you should not be blamed for waiting 15 minutes or 15 days or 15 years to report sexual assault or harassment. It seemed like it was everywhere last week and I loved it. It's a hard hitting line. And I think everyone needs to realize that. I think that Taylor's words probably make victims feel a lot better. And like Ashley said, people started coming forward after her case. And I feel like not just Taylor's interview here, but the whole Silence Breakers as person of the year, I think will help people to feel more comfortable with coming forward. Definitely. And to wrap it up, they asked, is this a watershed moment for the way we think about assault and harassment in culture? And Taylor said, I think that this moment is important for awareness, for how parents are talking to their children and how victims are processing their trauma, whether it be new or old. The brave women and men who have come forward this year have all moved the needle in terms of letting people know that this abuse of power should not be tolerated. And the best part about this last thing, I mean, I just have to say it. Uh, Taylor's quoted as saying, When the jury found in my favor the man who sexually assaulted me was court-ordered to give me a symbolic $1. To this day, 
He has not paid me that dollar. And I think that act of defiance is symbolic in itself. Yeah, that was definitely interesting. And of course, immediately he was releasing statements that he had sent her the dollar, I think, right after Thanksgiving. So obviously the interview with Time was before that, but he sent her a coin, a dollar coin. Okay, guy. (laughs) (laughs) Either way, I'm really excited that Taylor at least has done an interview, but even more so that it was something so profound as this particular one for Time magazine. Like I said, any time that Taylor uses her influence to do good, which is often, uh, but it's it's always remarkable. Yeah, it's kind of a heavy topic for a podcast, but it's just way too important for us to pass up. We absolutely had to talk about it. It is important, and while it may not you know, be the fun and cheery um, main discussion that we would normally have, it is profoundly important to talk about. It's interesting, though. You know, it humanizes Taylor. It shows her as this person who cares deeply about others, uh, people that she knows, people that she doesn't know. I mean, she's looking out for other people, which honestly is heartwarming in itself. Absolutely. I'm just very proud of her, and I can't wait to pick up a copy of the magazine. So thank you, everyone, for listening. If you would like to contact us, there are a bunch of ways you can reach us. We are on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr at SwiftCast13. And if you'd like to email us, you can email SwiftCast13Show at gmail.com. If you are not a subscriber, we would love for you to subscribe to us on iTunes. That way, the latest episode will be downloaded for you automatically. Once again, happy birthday to Taylor on December 13th. And for now, for episode 239, this has been Adam. Ashley. Nate. And Steph. Thanks. We will see you next week. Thank you. Later. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.